0: All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and start. Okay, so today we're going to talk about uh, worldly persecution versus heavenly reward. So we're going to talk just very briefly on persecution. Most of the lesson is going to talk about the heavenly reward and what heaven might look like one day. So I hope you guys will be blessed by this and encouraged by it. Uh, there's a lot of great information in the Bible that talks about what heaven looks like and what the new heaven will be uh, and the rewards that wait for us in heaven. Uh, it's not something we always talk about in church, but it's very encouraging, and it should give you a hope and an inspiration, especially when life gets tough and persecution comes your way. So I wanted to, I wanted to read you guys off to something real quick before we got to start get started here. And this was a recent um, st- survey that was done uh, in 2021, so two years ago. And this survey basically surveyed uh, thousands and thousands of Christians all across the world, okay? So not just in the U.S., but Christians in China, you know, maybe possibly Christians in North Korea, I know there's a very small sector that was there, uh, Christians in other countries like Afghanistan and things like that, that are heavily persecuted countries, okay? Uh, so again, this survey is not just U.S. only, it's worldwide. But I wanna read you guys off the numbers from 2021 of how high the persecution rates are for Christians across the world. I think you guys will be pretty shocked by some of the responses here. So let me read it off to you. 2021 recorded a new significant increase of persecutions against Christians across the world. According to a new report released by Open Doors International, which for over 60 years has been supporting persecuted Christians worldwide. Now catch this. Over 360 million 360 million Christians are persecuted worldwide. 360 million Christians are experiencing some kind of persecution worldwide. And again, this is outside the U.S. And so um, that's what I'm going to read off to you. Okay. So it says on January 19th, the non-denominational organization, which is based in the Netherlands, presented its 2022 World Watch List, which ranks the top 50 countries where Christians experience the worst persecution for their faith. The survey covering a period from October 1st, 2020 to September 30th, 2021, shows that persecution continues to rise, especially in Asian and African countries, and that the COVID-19 pandemic has further um, uh, increased this persecution. So according to its findings, which have been thoroughly analyzed by the Independent International Institution for Religious Freedom. Over three hundred and sixty million people, that is one out of every every seven globally endured persecution and discrimination in their country last year. Overall, five thousand eight hundred and ninety-eight Christians were killed, five thousand one hundred and ten churches were attacked or closed, six thousand one hundred and seventy-five were Christian arrested without trial, and 3,829 uh, Christians were kidnapped. So this number may be more—360 million, maybe more—all religions. But Christianity. Think about this: in that one year, 5,110 churches were attacked or closed across the world. So you think about countries that are very anti-Christian. They may be, you know, Buddhism or Hinduism you know, Muslim countries predominantly, they're not gonna be very fond of Christians. And so a lot of times when they try to plant churches in these other countries, if the government finds out about it, they'll actually attack the church. And as far as attack the church, I mean like they'll bomb it or they'll set it on fire or somehow destroy the church because they don't want people to worship anything but that one religion. Yeah, do you have a question? So so hard Africa has like a lot of Christianity yeah. Are you about the top half of Africa? Um, probably the more remote areas. Yeah. And there's yeah. a lot of like very rural tribes that believe in like whatever religion. Yeah. So from what I, I take from this, kind of what Grace was saying, probably a lot of the really royal tribes that royal that uh, <laughs> that um, are are much more. In their own kind of religion and it's like their religion or no way but also like you said Egypt and places like that across the world they're not going to be yeah, necessarily like, really open to Christianity like the Middle East uh-huh. India and top of Africa and Indonesia we just started learning about um, like religions and oh that's Africa. cool yeah so those are the places that are mostly Islamic which are the areas that you're probably thinking of yeah because uh, the whole West side, so North and South America are full of Christian majority. Yeah. If it's Catholic or uh, Protestant, you know. No, you're you're absolutely right. I so what interested to see how those numbers went up. Like so the five the almost six thousand that were killed in the churches that were like invaded or whatever, if we added US and just since we we're seeing a Little bit more of that, yeah. And I'm not sure, like I said, the survey actually included US or not. It was mostly, you know, focusing on countries that have persecution and heavy raids. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it would add to it. Um, and we'll come we'll, and we'll get to this, I'll get to you. Uh, write, write the questions down if you, you don't mind. I'm just to kind of roll through it here, and I'll get to the questions at the end, though. We'll, we'll have plenty of time. Um, but um, yeah, I want you guys to think about this almost 6,000 were killed. For professing Christianity. That's the large number of people. And I looked at look, the country that was the most persecuting against Christians based off this survey was Afghanistan, from what they took. Mm-hmm. I think they had the most deaths, churches attacked, things like that. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. That's how the survey showed. So the question I want I want you guys to think about tonight is. In America, there's some persecution for being a Christian at certain times. But typically, it's not like this, okay? But why do these Christians overseas, you know, risk their life for the gospel? Why do they risk their life to be a Christian? You know, why is it that important to them? And so, what we're going to talk about tonight is, if they're enduring all this persecution, and they know that opening these churches has a chance of them getting attacked, killed, or arrested... There's got to be a bigger purpose behind it. So we're going to talk about the heavenly reward that we get for our faithfulness here on earth. So why do we endure the persecution? Well, the answer is, one, we want to be with God, but we also want to be in heaven one day when we die. And so if you look through the Bible, obviously God promises us that if we put our faith in Jesus and we repent of our sins, that we're forgiven of our sins and one day we'll be with him in paradise or what we consider heaven. And and, and heaven's supposed to be a place of just no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. And so no matter what kind of persecution we endure on earth, people are willing to take that risk to stand up for Jesus because they know that if they do that here on earth, they'll be rewarded one day in heaven, and they'll spend eternity with Jesus, which will be far better than what they have here. But a lot of people will say, well, is heaven really that great? Or do you really have to go through this kind of persecution? You know, why can't I just say, okay, I'm going to follow Christ and then do my own thing and let, let, let them do their own thing, and we just won't worry about sharing the gospel. You know, because think about this. All these Christians that were overseas, you know, they could have just kept their faith to themselves and kept quiet. They might have been professing Christian, but if they, did, if, if they never went out and started churches or they never went out and shared their faith or they never went out and tried to live out Christianity, then nobody will probably know that they're a Christian, Right? Okay, so they would probably not get killed and they probably would not get persecuted. But to them, they believe that that is their call and their mission from God, that they have to go out and they have to share the gospel because it's not just important, it's essential and it's something that God calls them to. And that's what we're going to look at here. Even though we know that heaven's waiting for us one day, what we do on earth also matters for how heaven looks for us one day. I want you guys to think about that. Even though we know that heaven's waiting for us one day we're a Christian, how we live our lives here on earth, what we endure for Christ, what kind of faith we have for him, changes how heaven may look for us one day. And that's what we're gonna talk about here. And so I want you guys to, I wanna read this off to you guys here. And this is from Got Questions. Got Questions is a Christian organization. They're like a theology group and they go through really hard questions that people ask they have all kinds of theologians that pour into this. Uh, and they have some really great knowledge. So if you want to ever go to gotquestions.com, or be dot .org, and just search in some topics on Christianity, they have some great resources and really deep theological discussions. I'm going to you guys off this right here. This is really good. Heaven is a real place described in the Bible. The word heaven is found 276 times in the New Testament alone. Scripture refers to the three heavens. The Apostle Paul was called up to the third heaven, but he was prohibited from revealing what he experienced there. Now, what you guys to think about that? It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 1-9, that Paul was called up to the third heaven, but God told him, don't tell what you experienced there. So that then raises the question, well, are there levels in heaven? What does that look like? And that's what we're going to talk about. So if a third heaven exists, there must also be two other heavens. Okay, right? So it says the first is most frequently referred to in the Old Testament is the sky or the ferment. So it's not really a heaven per se. It's more of just like what we see in our earth, like our atmosphere, basically. It's not really a heaven. They just call it that in the Bible, okay? The second heaven is a lot of theologians believe is like outer space, like the universe, like outside of earth. So again, it's not really a heaven. Is more just like a way that they talk about another kind of atmosphere. However, the third heaven, we believe, from looking at scripture, is a spiritual place. It's a place that you can't reach on earth or in outer space. It's a place you only go in, 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 you know, when you die. It's a, it's a place that we can't reach in our earthly realm. And that is where God resides, and that is where God lives, and what we believe as Christians were eventually called up. Into okay, it's this third heaven, and so it says here: the third heaven, the location of which is not revealed, is the dwelling place of God. Jesus promised to prepare a place for true Christians in heaven. Heaven is also the destination of old the Old Testament saints who died trusting God's promise of the Redeemer. Whoever believes in Christ shall never perish but have eternal life, which is John three sixteen. And um, so you think here, okay, well, what does it look like? You know, what does heaven look like? Again, a lot of people in the Bible don't talk about it. Why do you guys think that is? Why do people in the Bible that it, that God revealed to them like what heaven might look like, and why did God tell like Paul not to talk about it? Why did a lot of the people that saw heaven or one or two that did, why were they not able to describe it really? Yeah. I think it was just really hard to describe. What they yeah. And if they were to try to like describing it, it kind of downplayed. It would do like injustice. Yeah, that's yeah. great. And yeah, why? People would, like They were like, ah, it's not that, that great. Yeah. yeah, why? Either what she said or that, um, that it would be described to be so good that people would uh, follow God just to get there. And one day because of how good it would be based on what they Yeah, it would just be that's all their goal is I can see that. Yeah, Caitlin? Because it's like nothing on earth. And if somebody tried to describe it, they wouldn't understand. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I, I think all of you guys have, have a great point there. Yeah, if you think about this, if you look at the Bible, if we, if we take the first heaven as kind of like the sky, the second is the outer space or whatnot, the universe, and the third heaven is the place where, you know, God resides and where we go when we die is unreachable. It is unlike anything in our atmosphere or on earth. Like you guys say, it would be very difficult to describe that. It's like trying to explain a color that you've never that seen. That you've never, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. That's a good example, yeah. So if you saw a color that never existed before, it's like, how can you describe that to somebody? It's, just, it's like impossible. And so the only explanation we really get of exactly how heaven might look like is kind of vague because, again, John tries to describe part of what he saw in Revelation, but it's so hard to describe because... You know, in our earthly sins, it's just, we can't comprehend that. in our minds we have a hard time comprehending that. But it says in Revelation here, in this article, it says, The Apostle John was privileged to see and report on the heavenly city. John witnessed that heaven, uh, which was the new earth in Revelation. We'll talk about that. That's, that's a whole different conversation. Possesses the glory of God, the very presence of God himself. Because heaven has no night, and the Lord himself is light, The sun and moon are no more, because God is light and is always light. The city is filled with brilliance of costly stones and crystal clear jasper. Heaven has twelve gates, which is found in Revelation 21, 12, and 12 foundations in Revelation 21, 14. The paradise of the Garden of Eden. You guys know what the Garden of Eden is back in in Revelation? Garden of Eden. Yeah, back in like what you look in Genesis. Um, I, got, I told you guys that, that was God's original plan, was to have this beautiful, perfect garden, and humans live there, and God reside with them. Because human sin, that got destroyed. Well, if you go back and look in Revelation 22, 1-2, through two, the paradise of the Garden of Eden is actually restored. It says the river of the water of life flows freely, and the tree of life is actually available once again. Wait, um, that's bad? Well, it was a good tree. It's just they told him, he told him not to eat from it. And because they disobeyed him, that's where that sin came in. But the tree was always good. It was just when they ate from that tree. So, in Evan, you can eat from the tree and restart <laughs> the Adam and Eve? <laughs> no, no. Um, so listen, I, I'll explain this. So there was two different trees. There was a tree of life and a, yeah. No, yeah, there's the tree of life and, a and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, yeah and, so, and evil was the bad one. Yeah, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is the one he told not to eat from. So the, so the tree of life is also there, and that was apparently fine to eat from. So um, what happens if somebody was to eat immortality? So listen, so in heaven it talks about the, the tree of life will be there once again, but there's no restrictions, because again, the restrictions on the tree of knowledge of good and evil, not on the tree of life. So the tree of life is always fine. So what it says here, it says that, listen to this, this is kind of crazy. It says a tree of life is available once again, yielding fruit monthly with leaves that heal the nations. However eloquent John was in his description of heaven, the reality of heaven is beyond the ability of, of, of a finite man to describe. So apparently this tree will produce some kind of fruit, and apparently that fruit is, is edible, and it just continuously produces fruit, what? and it never dies. What? what? what?